It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely on Topic, the Ocho. I am VA. <laughs> it's been many, many days without hockey, and I am joined by Jeff. Hello, hello. And Tim. Hello. Whose idea it was to name it the Ocho. <laughs> Coincidentally, a couple of us are watching ESPN the Ocho right now. We're talking about our favorite sports that aren't hockey. We were talking about cheese rolling, downhills. That's really good. Uh, lumberjack competition. Um, marble runs. Sign spinning. Just wait. They're eventually going to get their mitts on some video of Bushkazi. They'll debate for a long time whether to show it. It'll upset a lot of animal rights activists, but it'll be fantastic. <laughs> well, it is a dead goat. Yeah. So, I mean, the goat was already dead. Yep. So, but still, I can understand why that might be upsetting. That's, you know, it is what it is. But this is the second time we've mentioned Bushkazi. At least, if not more, because I'm fascinated by the concept. <laughs> I have seen it played. It's true. I think I might have seen it on, like, John Oliver's uh, Last Week Tonight or something. I don't know. <laughs> but but basically, yes, I, I do understand the concept. I just didn't know the name. So here we are in this weird time of the coronavirus. Obviously, Tom Brady decided that he wanted to move to Coronavirus Central down in Tampa Bay. Hell to the Yeah! Yeah. Bye, I am Tom. so happy. Well, Tim, I'm going to say that we got him during his best years, so good luck. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's fine. He's a Bucks fan. The, the only, the, 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 he just needs something to hold on to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's encouraging that he wanted to know all the phone numbers of his new teammates, but... I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, his last few years here in New England, he didn't do anything really extra. So whatever. Good luck, Tim. I'm pumped. I'm and, so happy. And, you know, just while we're on the subject, the Patriots look like they're fucking imploding. So, I mean, we've got Devin McCourty and his brother. That's about it. So hopefully build a team around them. Uh, I was going to say, and Edelman apparently wants, may want to be somewhere else based on that Twitter like. <laughs> oh, yeah, he may want to be in Tampa. The, the only thing is, if that ever happened, he would be like the third best wide receiver in Tampa Bay. So I don't know how he would take going from like the best receiver where he is to the third best receiver somewhere else. Yeah. Well, you know what? If he wants to go somewhere else, I don't blame him because the Stidham era just doesn't sound all that great. So, yep, we're going to rebuild. Woo hoo hoo! Yay! You can figure out if you can do this job, Bill Belichick, without Brady. And Brady, you can see if you can win without Bill. You guys got what you wanted. So, fuck you both. <laughs> I'm I'm just super pumped. Uh, apparently, since the deal became like official, Tom Brady jersey sales are up 900%. And you don't fucking say. <laughs> and uh the first day that it was official, so 2 days ago, um more Bucks gear was sold on that day than the previous 2 weeks combined. So, people are jumping on the bandwagon. I actually today ran into someone at the pharmacy and was like they were like hey did you get your hat because of tom brady and i was like no i've been a fan for like 20 years and then 
they were like, you don't look like you're old enough to be a fan of anything for 20 years. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. I love you. And <laughs> that was that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people would say that to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tim, I'm going to tell you, when I saw the deal, he's getting $50 million guaranteed. I'm like, no. No, I wouldn't do that deal, but well, well, Tampa needs it. to. There's no scenario the Pats were going to offer him two years, right? Like, right. He's 40 fucking three. It's one of those things where if you're the Patriots, moving on is probably the best thing. But if you're the Bucks, this is also the best thing for them. So I think it's like one of those things where it's kind of mutually both teams did what's best for them because the Bucks need – a, like they needed a quarterback first of all because they didn't have one. And Jameis Winston, while he threw thirty-three touchdowns last year, he also threw thirty interceptions. So and a potential twenty-one that. others, and twenty-one potential others. He also threw for five thousand yards. So like you don't know what you're getting with him. And then um, also it gets people excited for in Tampa. You have someone who. You have Brady with weapons. Maybe you can finally make the playoffs for the first time in 12 years, which is huge. And if you draft someone this year, maybe in the third, fourth round, you can have someone play under Brady for the two years and then come in, which is probably pretty important. And uh, I think it's just you got to try it. You got to see what's you, you had to do that. And I'm excited because also Bruce Arians is very good. He's a very good coach. He's worked well with Peyton Manning. He's worked well with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. So excited to see how he does with Brady. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it, it was something that Tampa Bay had to do. So it, it's fine. I'm just, you know what? Remember last week when I said I didn't care? I really don't care, except I'm a little bit, if, if I care a little bit, it's like I'm a little bit angry because I really wish that Tom Brady could have just finished as a Patriot. So... Because you don't see this. You don't see this that often at all. But I'm also, I'm a little more angry that, like, that Miami Dolphins have now become Patriots South. Yeah. You know, and who didn't go to Miami, they're going to Detroit because they liked Patricia. So I'm just, I'm not mad at the players. You go where the money is for sure. I'm just mad that, like, the team is just being completely disbanded and... We don't know what we're going to get. So as Patriots fans, we're we're spoiled, right? Obviously, we, we know usually what we're going to get. And now we're like, it's a void. We don't know. It's going to be it's going to be something else watching young Patriots fans who have just no exposure to futility. Yep. This yep. is not they're not going to handle this well. No, nope. it's going to be like Wings fan Wings fans the last couple of years. They've, they've sort of settled into acceptance at this point. But like. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, well, I mean, it's twenty years. Like, so anyone under th- anyone under thirty is not going to understand what a bad football look actually looks like, except like, ha ha, Jets and Bills, ha ha. It doesn't count because like it's Jets and Bills. Yeah, no, it's true. As long as the Jets fail all the time, everything's good always. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're going to. It seems like. Anyone that was like rumored to be interested in going to the Jets picks 
any other team but the Jets <laughs> because no one likes Adam Gaze at all. Well, there's the thing is like if you're gonna play, if you're gonna make the decision to play in Northern Jersey, which you don't have to play for the Jets, you even get the same free arena and facilities, but you get to play for it for not the Jets, which is like yeah. It's like kind of nice, you know, again, as nominally a Giants fan, you know, even when the Giants are bad, everyone just sort of nods and like, well, they'll, be- they'll come back because there's always the Jets and they're always worse. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Also, the current Jets uniforms, this is their second year of them. They, they're so bad. They look like, like jerseys from a movie where like the movie people tried to get the rights to the Jets jerseys and couldn't. So this is what they went with. Like, that's what they look like. And they're so bad. I liked how they changed the helmets because the helmets look more like the helmets I grew up seeing. And even yep. though I hated the Jets and I always have, I just liked that helmet. So I, what I seem to remember is that the greens don't match up and that's distressing or it used to be that way. And the black ones are just, I don't like the, the black ones either just because why do the Jets need a black jersey? No, there's no black in their uniform at all. It's just dumb. The Bucks unveil their New Jersey's in April, and I'm just hoping they don't have alarm clock numbers and they don't look like uh, CFL jerseys. And I wish they would just bite the bullet and go back to the creamsicles and the Bucko Bruce logo because, I mean, that was the best logo and jersey look that they had. Even though the teams that played in those jerseys were probably some of the worst teams in NFL history, the the logo and the jerseys were so much better. Oh, I can't wait to see Tom Brady and Creamsicle. I want that so bad. I want that so, so bad. <laughs> this NHL season, such as it was, at, at very minimum, it gave us, among other things that were wonderful, like the, the, the Zamboni driver, Phil Kessel in the, in the Kachinka jersey. <laughs> oh, I love that. Love that so much. It, 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 and... And it also gave us one of the great puns of the hockey season, uh, Holland Yotes. Uh, to Arizona, and that made me very, very happy as well. <laughs> Speaking of hockey, there was like, you know, an assortment of Bruins news this week. More, more good Tim news. Yeah. So, Tim, you're on a roll here. Keep celebrating. <laughs> so, my boy... The man, the myth, the legend, main great Jeremy Swayman signed his ELC, and it was announced uh, by the UMaine Hockey Twitter. They had pictures of him and his dad uh, signing the contract there, and it's great. He had a phenomenal season in Maine. He had he ended the year in 34 games, had a 2.07 goals against, and had a 930, 939, I think, save percentage. Um, he saw the most shots in uh, the league with like 1,179. And he also had the most saves, obviously. He was great. He's now signed. I hope he's in uh, Providence next season. Uh, he's my favorite hockey prospect. He's my favorite Bruins goalie hockey prospect. I just, I just love him. Very much, and I'm glad that he's on. And that happened in consecutive days. You had Swayman signing and then Brady signing. And it was just it was just sweet. It was awesome. 
Everything's coming up Tim right now. I needed Tim to just get all that stuff out. He, You know that he yeah, needed no. that. He needed to talk about well, all that's why that. I got it in there while he was still all fired up, right? Okay, yeah, <laughs> right. Everything's um, coming up Tim. And, the, and you know, the, the Swayman signing, this will be fun to watch the next couple of years. I mean, like, he's probably the first real contender as a goalie for the uh, Hobie Baker in uh, since Ryan Miller. Oh, wow. He's probably not going to win it because he's a goalie, which is unfortunate because, like, he's the only reason Maine was competitive, right? Right. So it'll be fun watching him go, like, you know, because, like, he and Vladash Vlad just had great seasons, right? It's a good place to be. And again, as I said, as we said last week, don't sleep on Kyle Kaiser. The seasons are right off, but that doesn't mean he's done. No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> the, the, the Bruins are very high on him, so he just had an injury-riddled season, not his fault. No. And again, whatever he becomes is found money because he was not a draft pick. He wasn't he wasn't drafted. Nope. They just saw him on the Oshawa Generals and said, Come to camp. That's about it. Yep. And the one thing that's too bad is I think he, the biggest injury that he had was a concussion. So that's hard. Yeah. But one thing he was doing that was really good, and I think it's gonna help him going forward, especially having this injury plagued season. At the start of the year, there was an article out. I forgot who wrote it, but he was already seeing a sports psychologist going to him every week and talking about, like, you know, transitioning to the, being a professional athlete and for a young kid having money for the first time for the most part and things of that nature. So I think he's going to be okay just because he seems to be taking his uh, mental health throughout it very seriously. And I, so I think he'll be able to bounce back from the injury-plagued season pretty well. The only concern is loss of conditioning and stuff that comes with that. You can only work out so much if you're having post-concussion syndrome. True. Like maybe some time on the bike, but like more than 20 minutes, you're probably going to start swimming, right? <laughs> yeah, but the rest of the AHL season is done. So is the ECHL season. So he has plenty of time to recuperate and get back into shape. Assuming those leagues follow the schedule, well, no, we'll give it to that. There's still more specifically Bruins news, even though that was a good segue. Bruins also signed undrafted, un undrafted uh, UFA from the NCAA defenseman Nick Wolf, who, big bad wolf. based on everything I can say, is large. Yeah, he's a big bad wolf. He's a he's like six four, six five, and like two hundred and forty pounds. So it's interesting. I'm a cat friendly list him at six five two twenty five, but I've seen bigger. I've seen I've seen as much as two forty on other listings. So yeah, Brandon Carlo is like six five two twenty. What does he look like in comparison to Brandon Carlo? He looks bigger than Carlo to me. Like not not taller, but like bigger. Oh yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The, the guys are the same height, but what do their builds look like? So Carlo is really kind of skinny. Carlo's listed as 212 on uh, cap friendly. Okay. So, so that's the official beginning of the season number. So maybe he is still 212. I know. Okay. Maybe I'm getting him mixed up with uh coil coils, like six, three, two twenty, right? Two seconds, please. Yes, exactly that. Okay. So I got the numbers mixed up. I'm sorry. I make mistakes. It's anyway, right. Nick Wolf large. Yeah. So he could be two thirty easily. Yeah. He's a left shot defenseman. From Minnesota, played at Umin Duluth for four seasons. Yep, he's attended development camp for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Carson Coleman was uh, very effusive about how good the Bruins were. Yeah, yeah. Um, of note too, so he's a two-time, obviously NCAA champion at 
UMD. And uh, last season he was an assistant captain, and this year he was their captain. I think that's one of those things where one of those character things where the guys the Bruins try to get from colleges and things like that have been either an assistant captain or a captain at some point in time. So more on that whole character and bringing that type of player into their organization. Okay, so interesting. So Nick Wolf in this case, because he's, he's 23, he turns 24 on July 21st, which means his signing age counts as 24. So it's a one-year ELC because of his age. Okay. Oh, interesting. It slides. Like, so remember, Ryan Donato was only a two-year ELC. Right. That's right. Jerry B. Swimmins, three-year because he's young enough, which is, good, which is nice. So, yeah, next year would be the first year of his ELC. You know, so, you know, total would be $792,500, whatever, plus, plus performance bonuses. Left shot defenseman. There's a lot in the way there, but my guess is, um, my, my but the, like for starters, he's going to replace some uh, Wiley Sherman in terms of large left shot defenseman in Providence. Because one sure. assume, well, because I believe if we ch- check the its age and stuff correctly, I believe Wiley Sher- Sherman would be um uh, group six this year. It could be wrong, but I thought so. He's 24 now, May 24th. Yeah, so well, Wiley Sherman I believe would be a uh, group six this this summer as well. But like, also Wiley Sherman is Wiley Sherman. Who cares? Except exactly. Like, it's, it's, except it's like him and presumably his mother. Oh man! Not everybody makes it. You know, not no, everybody makes it. Just did, right? It it's a very select few who get to go and and make it in the the NHL and stay. So so you got to ride that roster when you can. You know. Also, going off like NCAA news, according to Mark Diver. Um, he said the Bruins are in the mix for two of the top NCAA free agents, Jack Akin Aiken of St. Cloud and Mitchell Chaffee of UMass. I don't know much about either of them, but judging by the reaction that I saw from that, these are two very good players that the Bruins should be interested in. Okay, well, yeah, so Bruins are uh, currently at 47 contracts, and, well, there's a lot of RFAs at the Providence level, and, like, some of them are ones that aren't going to matter, like... Brandon Gantz or Brett Ritchie or let's face it, Peter Solarek. True. Plus at the age level, they also have like Alex Petrovich, Max Legacy. Like these are a lot of bodies that are not going to be re-signed. Yeah. You and expect- like Ryan Fitzgerald's a group six UFA, for example, too. So oh, he's not back. He's not going to be back. Yeah, no. All right. So looks like we're putting more people in the pipeline. Yeah. It's a good thing. Should we get to the, the, the piece of news that everybody is like pissed off about? Yeah, so so of course for starters, so every other team had already made comments on what and how they were going to be paying their the arena staff during the uh, during the pause. The Bruins, until quite recently, were the only one that had not made any statement at all. It's changed yesterday morning with the Boston Bruins released a statement that Jacobs family has established a $1.5 million fund for the Boston Bruins and TD Garden part-time game day associates who will be financially burdened if the six remaining regular season Bruins games are not played. We thank our associates for their patience and understanding while we worked through the complexity of this unprecedented situation. Ah, Fuck. So this is like Jeremy Jacobs trying to do something good for someone, then realizing he's Jeremy fucking Jacobs. Well, there's the fucking thing. We don't know that. You know how long it's going to be before we actually know that those games are canceled? A very long time. 
Also, considering the Bruins were definitely making the play for the playoffs, the correct thing to do would have been to commit to paying them for four for for for, for, for at least four play the equivalent of four playoff games as well. Right. Yeah. It's justifiable as a business to not to commit to more than that, but the fact of the matter is, is the Bruins were presumably going to play probably a full four home games. You, you would assume that people who are working that as a, a part-time gig are either working a similar part-time situation somewhere else or full-time si- situation somewhere else that is also affected, and they're working there on top of that where they're not being compensated because the games aren't being played. It's a shitty situation. I, I did some research on this this week. We were talking about maybe the Jacobs family was thinking about the fact that they have many employees throughout all of, not all of the arenas but many arenas throughout the NHL and as it turns out MLB as well and NBA so it, lots of arenas they have concessions workers and and game day associates as they call it but almost all these other sports had already committed to paying their their arena workers which would have included to Gidelinor North staff at the, those sites which means while early on I was sympathetic to that reasoning although not approval Right. Now I thought about it. It's like no, that that excuse is not that excuse is literally meaningless because all those guys are being paid anyway because the teams that the teams that have the arenas already committed to it. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so basically, I think worldwide they have sixty thousand employees. It can be a little bit dicey if we're talking about other situations like say England or. I don't know where they have other places uh, outside of the U.S. Australia is another place where they have concessions. So I, I could understand it in that respect, but it doesn't seem to be turning out that way. All right, whatever. Jacobs is worth $3.6 billion. This tiny hit that he could take could probably be written off with taxes somehow, some way. He could yeah. spare, he yeah. and the family well, could that spare his money. business loss, and that's deductible. It is deductible, yeah. But I think what you really need to take here is what Mark Cuban said as soon as the NBA season had been postponed. He said, it's a, it's a complicated situation, but I thought that I should pay the workers. I'll pay them now. So what happens in the future if they work those games? Am I to pay them again? Yeah, sure, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. It's just so little money from his perspective, right? Because it's not like they're going to make up the difference on tips either. They're presumably almost all only talking about paying the salary, their hourly rate equivalents. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you know, it's like more people should be like Mark Cuban, where they're just like, I'm a billionaire. I make good business decisions, but I'm not a cheap ass. Exactly. Exactly. And here's the thing. This is why say what you want about Mark Cuban. You may like him, hate him, whatever. He's one of the best owners in sports because of this. He was like the first one to come out of any sport and be like, yeah, I'm paying people. People should follow my fucking lead. Like that's what you do. And Jacobs, think about this. Eugene Melnick is paid people before uh, Jeremy Jacobs did. Eugene fucking Melnick. Yeah. Granted he was 30 of 31. But he, it was still before Jacobs. That is I know, but here's the thing is even Melnick is doing better than Jacobs or to be honest, the Pegulas are also doing the, doing the same uh, um, uh, weird, you know, not actually a commitment thing. But the Pegulas are known, mon- but, the, and, but the Pegulas are known monsters. So like, they, yeah, <laughs> they laid off so many employees at so many of their ventures. Mm hmm. 
when you're worth billions of dollars like that, you just pay the people. I mean, there are, think about this too. Um, I know granted it's NBA granted. This guy makes about 10 million a year, signed a big $75 million shoe deal. Zion Williamson is a 19 year old kid who plays for the new Orleans Pelicans. He is the one paying Pelicans workers for the next 30 days that works in the, that work in the arena. He is not the, the owner didn't say anything before he did. He was like, no, they welcomed me. This is my first year in the league. They welcomed me. The whole city welcomed me. I'm appreciative. I'm paying for it. Like I'm doing that. This 19 year old kid shows more maturity and compassion than these owners do. Yeah. It's about compassion and respect. Okay. The compassion is that you feel for people in the situation that they're in. It's a situation they have no control over and they shouldn't have to suffer because a decision that was not theirs to make was made. I know that's very passive language, but you understand what I'm saying. But respect is all about saying, I'm going to pay you. I'm just going to pay you because I respect you and the work that you do. So, you know, it's like whenever I hear about like baseball players or any athletes wanting to be respected by being paid, it's almost laughable to me. I mean, I get it on one level, but it's like, no, in this case, this is about re- about real respect. You know, these are people who, yeah, they don't work every day, but they might work three to four game days, depending on if they work for both, let's say the Celtics and the Bruins or both NHL and NBA teams. If they work those things all the time, um, that's a significant amount of money that is going to be missing for them. I have no idea it, how the the system necessarily works, but just pay them. Who cares? So the statement is just, it's a real punch in the gut because we all got optimistic until you read that if. Yeah, ex- exactly. The if. I mean, cheap-ass John Henry, who traded Mookie Betts for a bag of baseballs because he didn't want to pay $13 million uh, salary tax on paying the player paid the Red Sox employees at Fenway Park before Jeremy fucking Jacobs did. This is a guy, an owner, who's done everything he can this offseason to basically alienate an entire fan base. And even he's again, paying these people. You got, again, Eugene Melnick, who, who, who uses the Senators as a conspicuous Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Conspicuous. <laughs> I just want to call them the Ottawa Conspicuous Ponzi Scheme now. <laughs> just like the Boston, it's not the Boston Bruins, it's the Boston, oh, I can own the concessions too. <laughs> the Boston Ebenezer fucking Scrooges. Oh my god. So bad. He found the money, and 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 it's clear the sends are like purely designed to be a money losing tax shelter. It's basic. I mean, that game, that team is essentially a um, uh, it's essentially springtime for Hitler and the producers, <laughs> designed to deliberately lose money in the interest of making it. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Uh, Side note, too, about the Senators. They had two players test positive. I really hope one of them is not Bobby Ryan because he's done so much to get back and, like, gone through so much. I hope one of them's on him. (laughs) That's all I have to say. Yeah, they're not releasing the names, which I'm fine with. We don't need this, like, uh, constant barrage of people uh, who are being named or 
somewhat famous or famous, you know, it's like, it does make it a little more real for you to know that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson tested positive for coronavirus, but we don't need to, do, and Idris Elba, but it, we, we don't need to know everybody. And sometimes, you know what, especially with, with regards to hockey players, that's a personal health thing. So as long as they're quarantined and they're it, being the taken The entire government of, of Georgia is now under, um, uh, is now under self-isolation. Oh my God. The entire government of Georgia, like, well, like the entire, both houses of the legislature, because one idiot who'd, who'd been tested, but didn't have results yet, insisted on going to some special legislative session instead. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I mean, I'm okay with it not releasing names. I know some players will, when teams aren't releasing names, some players are coming out and being like, "Yeah, it was me." Just be better, wash your hands, stay isolated, and I think that's okay. I like that because they're like trying to use their platform to be like, "Hey, yo, this is actually serious. I got this. If I can, you can." Like type thing. Like I know the Celtics. Marcus Smart tested positive for it and after the self like after he did they weren't naming the player and he came out and was like yeah it's me i've been isolated since the test i've been washing my hands constantly i've been doing this you need to do it too if it happened to me it can happen to any one of you right and i think that's cool yeah if if players out themselves i think that's one thing okay uh, i don't I agree. think that we need to know necessarily from the teams the reality is that for most people who are athletes who don't have any known underlying conditions, they'll they they'll probably get sick, but you know it's probably not going to be fatal. So, but exactly. you know, you never know with somebody like say like James Bomeister who didn't have a heart condition ostensibly until he collapsed on the bench. That could be a very different thing for him. So. This, you know, it's like uh, for the players, just like for the players, for elderly, for, for people that we don't know what's going on with them specifically, it's just best that everybody does the whole social distancing thing. And it's, it's, I, I hate that games have been played, but I'm so glad that those leagues took this seriously. Yep. The, the NHL was able to build on what the NBA did. And I think it was a wise move and a very good thing. So it sucks. We don't have hockey unless you have Nessun this week in which you can watch the whole championship series of 2011. That's cool. I like that. Starting with Montreal. All right. So we've hit on the shittiness of the Jacobses, right? We have sh we've hit upon the new signings and why Tim is very happy this week. And that's that's all good. Oh. Yes. It's been fun seeing the various Bruins doing the social distancing, like staying connected thing that they started last summer, which honestly, yep. the staying connected, the best one was Sean Crowley and Jake DeBrusque. It like you got an idea of what their relationship is like. Everyone else was a little bit forced, but those were, were really good. Oh, God, all the Bruins are doing the toilet paper challenge now, which I feel like is a little insensitive, but these are guys who are bored in their apartments. So I don't know how bad I can feel. I mean, I, I don't know how bad I should feel about it being toilet paper is their, their soccer balls, but uh, so that's fun. What did I want to say though? Oh, so, well, there was that, there was that possible schedule that, that came out earlier this week. Possible schedule. What? Oh, so like uh, I shared it on the chat, on the chat thread, that, that one that had them um, uh, sort of starting mini camps in early July. 
playing oh. out the season to the end, but by the end of July, and then doing the playoffs in August, September. Right. And, and cram the whole off season into October. So you know, so so draft and free agency, which that's a that's a rough thing for those potential drafted prospects. I'll let them twist in the wind a few more months. Also, by uh-huh. the time that draft is held, the oldest players for next year's draft would technically be eligible for the draft that was taking place. But presumably, the qualification dates aren't going to change regardless of what day the draft were to happen on. Right. And then the regular season start in November. Thereby cramming an 82 game season into a tighter timeline. And any play teams that make a deep run on these consecutive playoffs will die. The players will literally die come the end of next June. <laughs> that was on TSN. Frank Saravalli put that out there and wrote an article about it. And basically, that is a player, a multiple player suggested schedule. Oh, my God. Which is interesting because that's a suicidal. If you're on a good team that's expected to be good again. I mean, it'll make some interesting playoff chaos for the for the 2021 se- season. Like, who, like you're going to have unexpected teams make it and miss it, I think, because of that. I would bet on several teams that would make the conference finals in this format in 2020 for the 1920 season would not make the playoffs in 2021. Yeah. Oh, it's the teams just below the cut that are going to benefit from it, right? The teams that narrowly missed the playoffs, so so the Wild and like the Habs and the Blackhawks and the Carolina and stuff. Carolina. Anyone just below the cut at the end would very much benefit. <laughs> just imagine that it was the Red Wings and the Mild who put out this schedule. <laughs> the players got together and talked about this. So it would automatically benefit them because they're not going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> On the other hand, if you play for the Red Wings, do you really want to go back in July and continue this season? Probably not. Like if I was a Wings player, I'd just like, can we just take the L on these last six games and move on? Because, like, fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. On that one hand, they might want, feel that way, but they're also competitors. So who knows? Maybe if they have a little bit of a break, they will win every game and still not be in the playoffs. But, you know, whatever. I think it's a very intriguing concept. It certainly gives some players some time right now to recuperate and get ready for playing games in July. However, ice will be so shitty everywhere. Yeah, the Bruins can't even keep their ice good enough in June. Can't imagine it in July and August. Fuck, they couldn't even keep it good enough in April last year. (laughs) No, I mean, if, if they were smart right now, they'd find a way to put the ice works in now. Yes. But basically... I don't think they're going to be doing that because of various issues around people and stuff. So that would that would be it would be also weird if you're someone who makes it to the Stanley Cup final. So you're playing for one team in September, you become a free agent in October, and then come November you're on a different team. That's kind of weird. I guess it's the same as a trade, but it just seems so weird. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like a lot of time in between the the end of the one season and the beginning of the next to me, but that's how it is. Well, and like that puts a weird thing too about when their contracts are. Like, I'm assuming during the suspension, players are still getting paid. Sure. Which means that technically speaking, anyone on an expiring contract is more or less playing for free for the entire balance of the season and playoffs then. Except for like playoff round bonuses, which players do get. There is a, a stri- it's not very, very much money, but it is structured that they keep getting paid throughout a little bit. Well, yeah, it depends on where you fall out of the playoffs, I guess. But like if you're a Detroit player and you're on an expiring contract, which they have a lot of, a lot of expiring RFAs this year, mm-hmm. 
paid. I mean, you got paid during these months, but you're basically playing for a dead end team with no contract and tech and, and under an extended contract that presumably means they've already gotten the money. Unless I'm wrong about this in the, in the league, and they are league isn't paying the continuing to pay the players through. I don't. It's not quite clear to me. I know the NBA. I don't know how the NHL is doing it, but the NBA was their players were set to get paid on April first, and they're holding it until the fifteenth. I think. Hmm. Just in case, I okay. think. The last I I heard about what was going on with the league was that they were considering holding a training camp in in about like uh, mid April or something like that, if they could. And then getting ready to start playing again in May, just before the 60-day CDC suggestion would uh, lapse. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the Deputy Commissioner, Bill Daly, says that no suggestion is off the table. They're open to a lot of things, I guess, but they still, you know, they're they're meeting every day trying to figure this out. I personally think just drop the regular season Go right to the playoffs. That's my way. Of thinking. Yeah. Is it don't make the t- don't make the players on bad teams keep playing. Like, I mean, I know there's not a lot of teams that are fully fully eliminated already, but like, why do this to those poor Red Wings players? Yeah, I mean, this is a situation that couldn't have been avoided. If you want to have a play-in tournament for those other teams, fine, have a play-in. Or maybe you know, get a couple games. Just no, I don't. I'm fervently against that. When I've seen the 2014 playoff, do you know how far out of the playoff some of the teams would make on, under that system? Would do it. The Habs have no business being anywhere near the playoffs this year, but they make it in a 12 in, in that scenario. Yeah, I will point I, up the Habs current are, are to be clear. Um, if you just did a a best seeds in the in in the uh, my East, are 10 points back of eighth place. Okay. I don't like the play-in at all. Like, honestly, we're about to have a 16th team. Finally, only half the league will make it to the playoffs, and that as it should be. <laughs> I wasn't say- suggesting a 24-thing play-in, but you know there are some teams that are on the cusp. The only thing I would say needs to be done is that teams that are take whatever the um uh, you know is it is there are teams that have played fewer games. You got to do something to equalize the number of games played to like, get everyone up to 72 or whatever. Yeah. They they could do like a point. I think I saw they may do point percentage. Yeah, so if you go thing. up to seventy two, everyone's at, everyone's at between sixty eight and seventy one games. So just like structure a mini remaining season to get everyone up to seventy two, and then stop it there. <laughs> so every That'd team plays at least one more game. Some play four, but you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. That player suggestion was interesting. I'm not sure that I personally want to do that. As a fan, that would be exhausting. So, I thought we might take the time to answer one of the questions that we got sent in last week. You guys, I sent you all the questions. I don't know if you even looked at them or thought about them. Okay, yeah, I got them in front of me. So what do you want to handle this one? I'm going to have one of you guys pick one of the questions. Tim, do you like to do the honors? Yeah, everything's coming up, Tim. Come on, Tim. Sure, I can choose one of the questions. Let's see. I was expecting him to say, but I'm not going to. <laughs> That's not very Tim. <laughs> Let's do favorite Bruins player of all time and why. Oh, favorite Bruins player of all time. I have been thinking about this for a while. My answer might shock and surprise you. So I'm trying to figure out this one. It's like, so like, I mean, like, I mean, just straight up favorite Bruins players. It's you know, 
And this obvious choices. I'm wondering if, you know, skip over like the obvious candidates like Bergie and Marshy. Right, right. I am not going to skip over the obvious candidates of Bergie and Marshy because I had to think about this for a very long time. You know that I love defensemen. Oh my God, do I love a defenseman. Do I love a stay-at-home defenseman? Yes, I do. Hello, Tuka. And, and, and this past week, I was watching... I was watching NHL Network and they showed some of the 2011 playoff and oh I'm sorry did they show 2011 they did show the playoff uh, the um the game seven of the of the of 2011 but they showed 2013 game seven of the first round series against Toronto and oh man that was such a good game and it reminded me that while I love defensemen. I love Bergie so freaking much because he's the guy that shows up and does something when you absolutely need it. And it, it reminded me of how much I love Bergie. I, I am bragging again. I've stood next to him. He is the calmest, most serene person I've ever met. And he really needs to bottle that shit. And he's just a wonderful person on top of being a, a great player we always talk about how he's such an excellent defensive player, but he's so clutch, you know, as long as he's not completely falling apart, obviously. And as he gets older, a little bit of the clutchness fades because he's he's worn down by the end of the season. But I love Bergie so much. And I think that he's got to be my all-time favorite player. Just hands down. I know it's it's the answer. Like, you know, the the joke is like, Somebody will ask you who your favorite Bruins player is, and it's like, that answer is really number two because everybody's favorite player mm -hmm. is Bergie. I just, I see the stuff that he does. I'm reminded of how important he has been to the franchise in recent years and being a later, a latecomer to the Bruins fandom and hockey in general. I just appreciate so much about him. I didn't get to see all of the growing up and everything, but I see him now as he's fully formed. And I, I really love Bergie so much. So that's fair. There you go. I mean, no, it's, I mean, I'm, I think that a lot of people would have feel the same way as you uh, with Bergie. He's great. He's fantastic. He's been with us for a long time. Um, he's basically done everything he could he's won everything he could with the Bruins Selkie on Selkie on Selkie uh Stanley Cup um he's won gold medals in the Olympics like he's done it all I, I think that you can make an argument that Brad Marchand might be the heart of the team definitely Zidane Chara could be like the brains of the team just for and the brawn essentially too because he's so excellent at working out and everything but i really think that bergy is the soul of the team i i really believe that, I in, that in my heart of hearts well so people talk about the chara window it's it's the bergeron window this 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 generation of boston like and boston is very much a team that's been driven by generation right the, 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 or the or Esposito generation, the Bork generation, which that's a very long one, but it's still, he defined the team for 20 years. Yep. 
And like as critical as Char has been to this team and how he'd, you know, be a strong contender for, I mean, I don't even know if you could build a Mount Rushmore for this team. I could not, I don't think historically over the course of the Bruins, I could, I could easily, I could settle on, on, on the right four. No, I could not do the right four myself. I- Same. There's only, I can only for sure speak for two of the four, obviously Oren Bork, but then the last two, that's fucking hard. Yeah, like I got I my, my 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 modern sight seeing biases, but on the other hand, I'm recognized that like Phil Esposito was on this fucking team once, right? <laughs> the only knock against Esposito was he was on this team for a shorter amount of time. That, um, but he did it's great things. He did great things in that shorter amount of time. But Bobby Remember, Orr, Orr was only a Bruin for oh Bobby Orr was only a Bruin for a decade. That's true, but what he did in that decade, however, that. That that was also almost all of his career. We don't Didn't we don't talk about like, what happened. He won after. the Art Ross and, <laughs> the, and the Norris and the I don't even know what the other trophy was. He won them all in one year, like a couple times, I think. Uh, it just or it's like nobody compares to Orr, okay? No. Even Bork with his long career and and what he meant to Boston, nobody compares to Orr. And then, SB, you know, there's there's the valid thing, too, where, like, Ray Bork didn't have to give up his number seven, but he felt he was wearing it in era, error, and he gave it over. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because Esposito deserved to have his his uh, jersey retired. I mean, the only reason and- he ever got to wear it in the first place is because Esposito and the Bruins parted on such bad terms. And honestly, it's such an that iconic was a, moment. That was a delayed retirement. He didn't want to be traded to the... Yeah, he didn't want to go. But, like, it's one of the more impressive tactical trades in NHL history. Like, sure, you, sure, you just traded um, uh, Phil Esposito and, um, and, and and Ken Hodge. But you got Middleton and Brad Park out of that. And John cool, Rattel. Like, cool. I realized that wasn't one trade. That's, like, I, in aggregate, that's one trade between those. But those were separate, two separate trades that basically had that net result. Right, exactly. And that's, I mean, Brad Park was great. Middleton, we all know, was good. I mean, I, I and it gave us, like like I said, uh, Bork taking off the jersey, having number 77 on under, and then, like, having Esposito raise his to the rafter. I mean, that was, that whole moment there is so iconic in Bruins history. Like, it's something that, ev- like, it, it's it's something that every... I feel like that's one of those things that every Bruins fan knows about. Yep. It's, it was a beautiful moment and it was all about respect. It was all about respect. There are so many choices is what I'm trying to say. And all I can say is that with my eyes, my own eyes, given what options I've had, even watching the 2013 team didn't feel like watching the team now, which you pointed out, I am a lot more invested in them emotionally, time-wise, and and so on, media-wise, than I was with the 2013 team when I just started watching hockey. But the one thing is constant from that time to this time, and it's Bergie and his leadership and his ability to drive the play and to make the win happen. And I just, I love him. I love him so much. Um, So it, it makes sense. And I'm sorry if that's a really pedantic am- answer. If that's or not pedantic, pedestrian answer. Um, it's just, I think that lots of people would agree with me. 
Uh, now, what do you guys think? What What are yours? You've give, been given time to think. Do you want Tim to go first? Uh, I can give. I, I, I can give you two different answers on this one for different reasons. All right. Um, cool. Just in terms of, of causes me the most joy in general has got to be Brad. I knew it. <laughs> Brad has been the, one of the most fun players to watch in the league for a variety of reasons since he came in from day one. Whether it's yapping or, you know, playing just around the edges or so forth. It, <laughs> Embarrassing the fuck out of Matt Cook, which is both yapping and being skilled. Um, like, like, like Brad is just, uh, kissing, doing the ring kiss and and um, uh, and trophy lifts. You know, like, like, like. Let's. Uh, Brad is just a hoot, and and the amount of rage he causes in other teams' fans, especially like like Toronto fans, particularly. I'm just like, haha, you fuckers. Oh, but wouldn't they want him in a second? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. And, like, the fact that, the, again, and then Brad's just such a good athlete story, too. Like, I mean, this is, this is a guy that was a third-round pick, played in four different teams in the queue. He moved around a lot. Um, he got traded a lot, what's what it is. Because he played two, he played two full post-draft post seasons, right? Ah, uh, it was a maturity issue, huh? Possibly. Well, also, teams just kept trading for him for playoff runs and stuff, oh, too. okay. But that he was, you know, he, the, the amount of work he had to put in, like you know, this is a guy, you know, so, you know, Bergeron's hardworking and preternaturally gifted. Sidney Crosby, preternaturally gifted. Brad Marchand had to be even harder working because he's not nearly as preternaturally gifted as they are. And guess who ended up being their winger at the World Cup of Coffee? And had there been a 2018 Olympic, um, winter, um, uh, NHL participation in the 2018 Olympics, there would that Canada's first line would have probably been the three of them. Wasn't he the MVP of the World Cup of Coffee? He was, yeah. Like, like. Like, 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 I think, I think the way it's, and it's amazing. It's because of his personality. People ignore this. Is like Brad has to be one of the most inspirational, one of the more inspirational, inspirational sports stories out there. Like, just think about how much work he had to be to becoming what he is, and how late in his career he started truly being this. Yeah, he's a small guy too. Small guys don't necessarily have uh, long careers, unless you're Marty Saint Louis and well, Brad Marchand and. There are probably others too that I can't name, but but like he was almost thirty before he started. I mean, don't get me wrong; his scoring rates you could always see it was spectacular. It was great. I mean, he scored twenty one as a rookie. Um, but like, like, so I just like I have just I just uh, Brad's such a joy to watch day in day out. I mean, sometimes he does things that make you make make you scream. Game seven comes to mind. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> And that's not the normal way he does things to make you scream, but that was one of the more, more one of the louder screams. Like, what the fuck, dude? But anyway, yeah, he's. So I'd say Brad is genuinely my favorite Bruin of all time. Now that said, a Bruin over a short time, who even as a bit player gave me far more joy than he than his role ever should have. Still remained Rich Peverly. Oh, I knew you were gonna say Pevs. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew it. The minute you said more than he should have, I'm like, it's going to be Peverly. It's <laughs> I'm just, Peverly was a delight to watch. He was fast. He was crafty. He didn't quite have st- pie hands of stone, but it wasn't fucking far off. <laughs> and, and he was, he was, and he was, you know, there's a man for all seasons. Every man or woman has their moment for the, the to shine. And well, 
when Horton went down, what was that, game three or four? Yeah, it was. The, I think it was game three. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, it was one of the Boston games. Peverly got promoted. Not 18-year-old phenom Tyler Sagan. In fact, the only reason Sagan even got back on the roster was because now they needed a third-line right wing. But because he'd been uh, evicted for Thornton, I think, earlier earlier in the series. Two of them had sort of traded off earlier seri- in earlier series, right? But yeah, but it was Rich Peverly. They got they they got asked to step up and did right. Yep. Again, this well, sort of comes up something I was saying in the in the in our chat thread earlier this week. It's like I have a soft spot for Nathan Horton, but Nathan Horton was more important despite the game seven heroics in rounds one in round one against Montreal and round three against uh, against um, uh, Tampa. Yeah. Sean Nathan Horton was more important to the team as a symbol in the uh, in the final. Right. Because um, they were pissed off. And remember, they were down to they were down two down two two zero at the time too, like in the, yep. in the series. Mind you, those have been both close games. Because remember, one of the most amazing things about that seven game series is it's most comically lopsided seven game series ever has to be. Every game Montreal Vancouver won was like a was a one goal game. Like they were like they won one two one two one or one zero or something like that, right? Whereas they got steamrolled in all three Bruins, all four Bruins wins. And you got goals from everybody. You got goals from Ferrets. Except for Luch. Luch had a bad playoffs that year, but, you know, he did what he had to do. <laughs> and Craig still led, still, led the league in, still led the league in playoff scoring. <laughs> because David Krejci going to do what David Krejci going to do. That's why. Yeah, I, I was going to say earlier, you know, fourth liners aren't necessarily known for their hands, but they do serve valuable purposes, right? As far as Milan Lucic, I mean, people aren't going to tell themselves that they're going to fucking kill themselves. They're going to need somebody to tell them, I'm going to fucking kill you. Okay? And yes, I know that was at a later date, but you can imagine that that Milan Lucic had that air and might have actually said that to someone before. <laughs> Can't you? You're not laughing. It's a funny thing. It's so funny. Oh. Oh. Tim, that is not a laugh. Are you okay? Yeah, the, the this European uh, tram driver championship is riveting. Oh, they're trying I, to okay. like they're trying to bowl with trolleys and stuff, and it's wild. Wow. Oh. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna watch this. This it's, sounds like fun. It's riveting. I don't know why, but it is. Oh my god, it's almost like Oh gosh, that is so fun. I this is this is my new favorite thing. You're okay, gonna so it. um yeah, so okay. No jokes. Nobody likes my jokes. Fine, whatever. No. Sorry. Sorry. Tim. Tim. So I have two as well because I couldn't really choose between the two. Um, both players are definitely older than the guys that you guys have said. Um, the first one, is, and they're both mainly nostalgic reasons. Um, the first one is the very first player for the Bruins that I kind of like grabbed hold to and stuff like that. His name is Jason Allison. He was the very first guy that, like, uh, he played for those uh, 
mid to late nineties Bruins teams when I was just getting into the sport, I was young, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11. And just, he, he was so good when he was the Bruins. I think he played for the Bruins for like four or five seasons. Uh, he was their captain at one point and three of his seasons, he had 75 plus points. I mean, he was good. And then he left and I was pretty sad when he left. I remember he um, ended up playing for like the Kings. And then I think his last year in the league, he played for Toronto. And even his last year, his last year in the league, it was like, he was only 30 and he had like 60 points in 66 games. So I think it was one of those things where he kind of retired a little early because like he could still play obviously. But I was sad about that, uh, and he's one. And the other one, uh, he may have not made his mark with the Bruins, so to speak, but he did for me for many different reasons. He only played for the Bruins, I think, for like a half a season, and that's Eric Weinrich. He was When he was traded to the Bruins, it was one of the happiest things that ever happened to me. When I was a young kid, me and in second grade uh his mom was my second grade teacher and because of that she was obviously a big hockey fan her son being in the nhl and um i started i really paid attention to him at the time he was playing for the blackhawks i think and um like his i remember his mom well my mom asked her to have her son like sign a bunch of stuff for me for Christmas one year. And he did. And so like, I had a hat that was signed by him, um, a couple cards and stuff like that. And, uh, and those meant like the world to me, especially like they were like, they were signed like to you. They were personalized and just seeing that was so cool. And it's one of those things where, I don't think she necessarily did that a lot where she would have like her son sign stuff for like students and stuff like that. Just because I feel like she felt like that's like kind of overstepping and things like that. Not to mention that she would be inundated. So exactly. It's not something that she like would do often, but the fact that she did and that the fact that he had no problem doing it just meant so much to me personally and uh, I remember when he was with the Bruins or the year that he was traded to the Bruins after the season um, at the school I went to, we, so we, the last, like, I don't know, week of the school year, we were, didn't have to wear our school uniforms, which is big because I went to a Catholic school from K three grade. So we had uniforms all year and uh, we didn't have to. And one of the last days of the school year, we had a, um, like, it was like a carnival type thing where just have fun for the last, one of the last days of the year and stuff like that. And he actually came to it and did like street hockey against him, go one-on-one against him. And that was really cool to finally get to meet him and stuff like that. Um, just because like, I think at the time I was in fifth or sixth grade. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, to have that happen. And yeah, I mean, he played like 20 years for a ton of teams. Uh, he, I think he played for like the Whalers, um, the Blackhawks, the Bruins, the Canadians, the Canucks, the Blues. He just played everywhere. And he was a defenseman. 
um, kind of a, he was a stay-at-home defenseman. He went to the University of Maine from Maine. Oh, well, he was born in Virginia, but he went to high school and college in Maine. Um, and yeah, that's just the nostalgia there. I just, I was so happy when he came to the Bruins. So, so happy. I think I, we have never heard about the street hockey that you played with. Yeah, that's him. a new one to me. That's, awesome. oh, really? that's, that's, that's good because the story keeps building. Yeah. Right? It was so cool that he decided to let you came like took time. Like, cause obviously being in the NHL, you're busy. So he took time to come to it. It was, it would have been in, May, the season was probably over at that time because probably wasn't in the playoffs anymore or something. And he decided to do it. And it was just like a one-on-one. You got to do one-on-one against him. And to like finally meet him after like getting, like having his mom for, be my teacher. And, and she was like, she was at the school for over 20 years. I remember like when she finally retired, I was in college and they had like a big retirement party for her um, because like she meant a ton to that school. She was like growing up, she was one of my favorite teachers, something funny with her too. So when we were in second grade, one of the Christmas projects we had to do is we had to make penguins. Like we had to draw penguins and color them in. And then like they were all hanging up in the uh, hallway because that's what you did when you were in second grade. You color stuff, and then the teachers hang it up in the hallway. I was in second grade, and this kid Kevin comes up to me. He goes, "What? Who's your fa- Whose penguin is your? Fa- or who's your favorite penguin?" And he was, and he meant what was on the wall. Like, <laughs> and me, eight-year-old Tim, was like Mario Lemieux. And- <laughs> And he was like, no, like on the wall. And I was like, oh, okay. And she heard it and laughed. And she said later on that um, she had, it was during Christmas break. She was visiting her son in Pittsburgh. And uh, I think the Blackhawks were playing the Penguins. And she actually told Mario, Mario Lemieux the story. And he laughed. <laughs> 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 and she told me that, and I was just like, I thought that was cool too. Um, just <laughs> one of those things where, you know, even as a, at a young age, I was like, I was head deep in sports. I yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite penguin? <laughs> and he and he was like, no, like the one hanging on the wall. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 well, Tim, I'm so happy that one of your answers was, uh, you know, uh, it, a Bruin like uh, um, Allison. But I also am really happy that your your you know your real answer is a typical Tim answer. <laughs> you love the unloved, the uh, the underdog, the the guys have been here for just a little bit of time. You know, the guys who don't get the love that they should get, right? Yeah, you know, that's just kind of that's just kind of how it is. I mean, it's it's definitely a typical Tim thing to do. I I, I latch on to the craziest players, Svedberg, um, Kampainen, uh, um, like I just <laughs> just what it is. Jonas Fortholinen. <laughs> Tim, is there any scenario that a certain percentage of your favorite players are the ones you find the most fun to say their names? <laughs> Partly, maybe. 
Svedberg, Kempinen, Swayman. Swayman, yeah, maybe. It could be part of it. <laughs> I mean, even even now, like, I like the big Bruins players, but, like, just part of me is, like, I, I just like guys that don't get a lot of love. I just, what can I say? I, like, like I said during the season before it got suspended, for whatever reason right now, I love Par Lindholm, and I can't understand why. But, like, I just love seeing him on the ice. I love watching Par Lindholm. Like, that's the guy right now. Like, for whatever reason, Par Lindholm. You know, I here's the thing. the Swedish Par- thing. <laughs> there's, just, there's that. Um, you know, the thing about Lindholm is, you know, he's, he's not a joy to watch, but he's never, like, he's hardly ever appalling to watch. Yeah. Whereas other players who are better than him are often appalling to watch, ones that are only slightly better. Sure. And even the ones a lot better are sometimes appalling to watch. He's just fine. Yeah, he quietly goes about doing his thing. And, and I love, like, with those Bruins hats that they made, I love his for some reason. Like, it's just, it's just, yeah. It's did his homework during 15, he did, did, during morning break, during morning break. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you could say that he is playing at par. Yeah, he's He's exactly. definitely playing. They should play. They should. They should play. Replace. They should play. Change the the phraseology from war to um uh, to wapple. <laughs> Winds above Harlan home. <laughs> I do remember some years ago someone used um uh, used Andrew Bodnarchuk as your example for replacement level for replacement level player, and so it was a it was a Stanley Cup chowder article that was titled um uh, that did that rated all defensemen based on wins wins above Bodnarchuk. <laughs> nice. Isn't he, isn't he uh, Brad Marchand's longtime friend? Yes. Yeah, they played on like the Moose. They, they, he's from Halifax, like like Brad is. They played on the Mooseheads briefly together. They were drafted by the Bruins in the same draft, third and fifth rounds, respectively. <laughs> I so think they, they were, know, roommates. were roommates. So they were roommates in Providence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had a, a pretty long history, and they still, you know, joke around together on Twitter now. You know what I learned about Brad this week? That when he's home in the summers. He works with his brothers and or his brother and his uh, father. Uh, they have a uh, a, a business, uh, Marshand Homes, homes where they they build yeah, homes. Like, they, yeah, like his um his entire family are developers. I guess like one of his uncle one of his uncles has another company, another development company. Like um, uh, a and his mom's into well. real estate. Yeah, yeah. So she has her license and all that. So yeah. Who else was I reading? Oh no, Brad's Brad's wife is has her uh, real estate license as well. So basically, he comes from a long line of land barons. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> so when he retires, we're gonna get it makes the it makes the it makes the big game hunting that much more you know apt. <laughs> so um, when he retires, we're gonna get Martian and Chara re- Realty. Well, he'll build the homes. Chara will scout out the, uh, will sell them, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently he lives on the lake and he has like 11 garages, like garage units, I guess we'll say on his property. One is devoted to just playing hockey and shooting pucks and balls and stuff. Um, but he, I don't know what the lake is that he lives on in, in Halifax, but, or where he lives on that lake. But uh, yeah. 
And he lives in Charlestown in his uh, when he's down here. I did not know that before. It's just where everybody lives where in Charlestown. Keep the short people in, in the town. Things for Grizz is from too. <laughs> yeah, but Brandon Carlo and Kevin Miller live there as well. So no, no, I see pulling yeah, pulling those tight averages up a bit. I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, um, I mean, I don't blame them for living in J- Charlestown. It is a hop, skip, and a jump to the garden from there. So why not? But uh, basically, that that was the stuff that I learned this week um, because I have been bored, very bored, and I learned that his daughter's name is Sawyer. Oh, I did not know what her name was for the longest time. So, hmm. yeah, and uh, their son is Sloan, which sounds like preppy name from the 80s movies those names uh, sound yeah. like they're on the wrong john like they're on the wrong kid i know i'm used to sloan's being female but and, you know and and while yes sawyer's a little more androgynous i the, the very few sawyers i've encountered most of them were most of them were male <laughs> yeah. hey you know what who cares now anybody can be anything it's fine I can't wait till a a guy is named my name. That's going to be fun. (laughs) All right. So those were our answers for our favorite Bruins. Um, Of course, you all know that I love, 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 love Brandon Carlos so completely. But I can't put him as my all-time favorite right now. Okay. Know that I've loved him since I first saw him. Uh, And now that sounds incredibly like... Like I was like totally like based on his looks, but it was on his gameplay. I saw him in that one game in Providence. So there you go. Okay. So I guess we should wrap it up guys. Okay. What do you think? Well, uh, yeah. Oh, I, wait I a minute. So. I, I want to, I want to thank, I am the Batman 19 Jason M for that question from last week and next week we will answer another question chosen at random go ahead now sorry uh, so listeners you've been listening to barely on topic uh you can find us on soundcloud stitcher google play itunes spotify and wherever your favorite podcasts are found go on there rate us some stars write a review tell your friends do what it takes um you can also follow us on Twitter, that's uh, at Barely On Topic, or on Facebook, at Barely On Topic Podcast. And, of course, there's always our individually and gradually slipping into say, into self-isolation and sanity Twitter, uh, Twitter accounts. You can find me at, at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at TramBowlingIsAwesome.com. Also known as FBA from R.I. I really like this one where they drive up to the arrow and they have to, the doors have to, to open up. The arrows have to match. That one's, Sorry. that's riveting too. Cause you don't know until they open the doors. Oh, oh it's so, so fascinating. Tim. Word. 